Welcome to our fourth episode of Made in Asia, the podcast for creators and entrepreneurs in the experience and transformation economies in Asia. Our guest today is Julian Liu, a hotelier by heart, a designer by training, and a project director by profession. In his current capacity, Julian has worked on a number of hotel projects across the region and understands the process from conceptualization to handing over the keys to a general manager in detail. Today, Julian will share with us his insights into the industry and what trends are shaping things to come. You've covered Cornell Hotel School, Gensler Design Studios, Kerry Group, Shangri-La. He's on the Hong Kong Tatler 500 list and uh, co-owner of Mama Always Said here on Peel Street, where we are today. So fantastic to be on site. Um, how's it going, Julian? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go to Cornell Hotel School. I went to actually design school at Cornell. Oh, so, so the, my education uh, the is the better design. part of Cornell, as they say. Um, I wouldn't say that. I have way too many <laughs> friends in hotel school to say that. Okay, we won't call anyone out. Cool. So, um, but obviously, you have a strong interest in hotels and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my shortcut connection there. Why you would be in a hotel school in Cornell? But uh, fair enough. So you obviously have an interesting perspective from a design angle on hospitality. So tell me, what's wrong with hospitality real estate uh, these days? <laughs> Start with the easy questions first. Um, there's nothing wrong, uh, in my opinion. I don't think there's anything wrong with hospitality. It's just that it hasn't actually changed all that much, right? And so, you know, I think that you know the basic tenets of hospitality are the same. We sell sleep, and nowadays it's more about selling an experience. And so, I think most hotel companies, and uh, if not all hotel companies, haven't adapted to that. Or being able to address that adequately, mm. um, you know, especially now. Obviously, in the pandemic, the hospitality industry has essentially been decimated, and so it's to me, it's actually a really big opportunity for hotel companies to reinvent themselves, right? Um, you know, if you look at say hotel brands in Asia, you know, everyone sort of has their their strata. Well, we've just been pancaked. We're all now down at the base level. We all have to build ourselves back up. Because of COVID. You because mean. of COVID. Okay. Because of COVID. Um, and to me, you know, it's it's a huge opportunity for any hotel company to really get a jump start as to, you know, how do you redefine your brand? Um, you know, how do you re-engage with your guests and your clients? Um, you know, it, it's, it's there's, no, there's no magic eight ball and there's no, you know, no one's going to know what hospitality is going to look like mm. coming out of this. Um, you could have asked me six months ago, am I optimistic? I'll be, yeah, absolutely optimistic. Things are going to be fine. You know, the new normal is going to be the old normal. Two weeks later, like, it's gloom and doom. We're all, right. You know. Was there a point where you figured out, oh, this is not going to go away anytime soon and uh, it, we need to think a bit more uh, comprehensively about this? You know, I, th- I think, you know, a lot of our our business and a lot of the hospitality business in the region is in China mm-hmm. and China's recovery has been fairly amazing, you know, coming out of COVID. Absolutely. Um, you know, you'll see occupancies are pretty much back to where they were last year. Um, there's been a huge rebound, but that market is big enough. That domestic market in China is big enough that it can support itself, but everywhere else in the world, we're still struggling. I think that, you know, when, when, you know, we started looking at, when we came out of it sort of in August, in July, August, when China's picking up, I was fairly optimistic that things are going to, you know, pretty much go back to normal fairly quickly. For the rest of the world, basically. For the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. 
um, the problem has been that we've just been reacting. Right? This whole year has just been, you know, hotel companies reacting to what the situation is. There's no long-term planning. It's very difficult to have strategy when you're just trying to meet your payroll month to month. Um, I would say that I was very optimistic in August, going to September, but then, you know, Hong Kong had a spike, other countries in Southeast Asia had a spike, and our hotels that had just opened had to shut down again. Mm. And obviously now it's it's December and we're going to this fourth wave that seems to be you know, possibly worse than the third wave. I'm, I'm a little bit more mixed in my opinion, I'd say. Um, and it's it's gone back to sort of, let's just you know, take it a week at a time or day at a time. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, this is very on the news, but today uh, we're back to only 6 p.m. dining here in Hong yeah. Kong. So, uh, big, uh, I mean... Uh, that ruins your day if you're in a, in a restaurant, no? I mean, it, it, it yes. <laughs> and it, it did. It, did it ruin pretty my much day. sucks, right? I mean, it kind of sucks. Um, I mean, with, with this restaurant, we opened in last, just end of last summer, you know, while the Hong Kong protests were still going on. Not, again, not the greatest time to open Absolutely. a restaurant, but, you know, again, you know, onward and upward, right? That's our plan. We're going to go with, go for it and we'll just adapt as, as things happen. Um, a lot has happened since then. So we went from protests, we got through the protests, we had a normal November, then we had COVID. And then I think since we've opened, we've had maybe one or two quote unquote normal months. Right. Um, but we've learned to adapt. And I think whether you're a restaurant or a small business owner or a hospitality company, you just have to adapt. So you talked earlier about the big brands haven't really embrace that opportunity of change really right some of them now you have staycation packages or something like that but it's not really a, it's, a big innovation wave that comes through the industry at this stage it's like piecemeal you know we'll do delivery from our F&B right uh, it's not really innovation and hospitality doesn't come in waves or like not in not with a bam with a boom yeah I mean these these aren't innovations they're reactions they're reactions to what your market it's basically reactions to how can you make money Right, um, or how you keep making you know, money. Right, vacation right? was yeah. never you know nobody planned to have a staycation hotels in Hong Kong. Right, we're, we're it's, you know it's weird to have a staycation twenty minutes from your home. Um, we never thought about doing takeout. We never thought about you know, a lot of things, and you know we would never have thought that our biggest revenue was going to be our restaurants, for example. Um, but these are all reactions now. That's what we can do to make money and to cope. But a year from now, you know, you know knock on wood that there, there's a vaccine and things are slowly picking up again. Well, what's the, what's the big, you know, how do you reinvent yourself? Now, I see COVID, it's really actually a catalyst because we knew the trends going into COVID. Like, how was hospitality changing? How was technology changing hospitality? So we were looking at you know, using technology to be a bit more convenient. We're still looking at, you know, keyless entry, you know, um, using automation, using IT for you know, self-check-in and things like that, that now we actually have to go much faster than how we envisaged that before, because now it's gone from nice to have to an almost we need to have this. Um, but at the same time, how do you get to or how do you use technology but still maintain that sort of that sense of hospitality. I think one of the big dangers of using technology is that you lose that human touch. Now, I think that 
if anything, co- what COVID has exposed is that, you know, as human beings, we still need that, that human to human interaction. After, you know, my kids, for example, they've been doing Zoom for over a year. For school, right? For school. Yeah. And, you know, just being able to go back to school for a few weeks this, this past month has been great for them, right? It's almost like this, this relief that they've been able to interact with their friends. And so I think that's never going to change. Humans are always going to need that, that face-to-face interaction, that, that, that sort of human touch. Um, and there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, calling and say, if you've ever had to fix your cable in the U.S. and you call customer service, you know, for English, press one. For this, press two. <laughs> you know, at, at some point, like, just talk to me. Um, and it's sort of, and, and technology doesn't have empathy. And I think a huge part of being successful in hospitality is having empathy for your guests, understanding what they want, even before they even tell you, mm. right? And if we can use technology to make us more empathetic, to almost be a, a um, you know, to give us an insight into what the customer wants before they ask for it, I think that makes us better hoteliers. Now, do you think that's a, a privilege for the higher-paying guests, or is this something that should be through all the the tiers of hospitality coming at a budget level? Or, you know, at one point, you're just saying, you know, this is like a 7-Eleven of hotels, which is heads and beds, and it's clean, you got Wi-Fi, you got a shower, and mm-hmm. please don't expect anybody to welcome you. Well, what's your opinion about it? I think, you know, that has to be irrespective of tiers. Mm. Um, you know, it should never be the way that we treat a guest shouldn't be transactional. You pay more, I treat you better. Is counter to everything that, you know, hospitality is about. It. Well, treat you better, but you get more, right? So the human interface is that is a bit more, you know, you can still have a great ex- interaction only with technology, particularly, I mean, there's some people that would be perfectly happy not to meet anyone, right? I think that if you are the kind of guest that you don't want that interaction, or you just essentially want to be left alone, mm. then your hotel operator should know that this guest wants his privacy, get him to the room, and that's it. Let him do what he wants to do. If you have another guest that wants that interaction, then you give him that interaction. Mm. Um, How do you know that, though? Through your CRM, you have your record on file? Or? It should be, th- yeah. It should be through whatever data you have on that on that particular guest, on your guest profile, what their likes and dislikes are. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I don't think it should be, you know, you pay more, you get treated better. You pay more, you get a bigger room. You get more amenities. But I don't think hospitality should be transactional. Now, the um, even if you have that sort of uh, down in terms of the interaction and uh, you know hospitality, human touch, let's put it that way, it doesn't mean you have a great experience, right? I mean, a great experience is a bit more than just running the routine of uh, hospitality. You know, a smooth check-in, maybe a hi, how are you? A little bit of interaction doesn't mean you have that's expectations to some extent, right? I mean, a great experience is a bit more than that. So, where does that come from? Right. So, I mean, a, a part of what I do as from coming from a design background, having, you know, been on the design side of hotels and being on the project side of hotels, um, what we engage in more is about designing an experience. There's a base experience that every hotel should get right, which is fast check-in, reasonable food, clean room, you know, warm shower. That's the basics that anyone yeah. is going to. But well, then how do you still some fail on there, that? There, but yes, you know. I'm not going <laughs> to say. I'm not going to call anyone out. I'm but not yeah. going to say um, anyone's perfect. You know, they're, they're, everybody fails at something. Um, 
but that should be, be the aspiration. And so if that's your baseline, then how do you take it to the next level? How do you build brand loyalty? And I don't think you can build brand loyalty through transactions. It has to be through experience. And so how do you get the guest that's, you know, will pay for the presidential suite and the guest that pays for your standard, you know, your standard room should have that same sense of loyalty. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, so you still believe in loyalty that exists, uh, loyalty to a brand or loyalty to a property or to a staff or to a team member or a, a general manager? Where's, what is loyalty? It's, it's sort of, I mean, I, I don't, it's, it's called sort of the cop-out answer. It's, it's to, to, every, to all. Right? Okay. And so if you have a good GM and the guests get to know the GM, they're loyal to the GM, um, that's one sense of loyalty. Um, I think loyalty to the staff uh, to a certain degree is actually more important than loyalty to a property. Because um, loyalty to staff, that's pure service. Loyalty Which works in Hong Kong quite well, right? Yes. In the scheme of things of different cities, it's actually not too bad here. Yeah. and But, you know, loyalty to a property has to do with some, you know, something that has to do with how nice the property is. Hmm. Right? Whereas, it, and that has to do with budgets and, and design and, you know, and, you know, how good your construction is. Whereas, loyalty to staff I think there's something inherent in that and there's something more pure in that you know that's just them being a good operator or right. being hospitable or having good service that goes beyond and that actually having good service to a certain degree can make up for if you have a say you have an older hotel that needs renovation but if your service um, is at that level you still build loyalty and people are willing to forgive a multitude of sins if that service is good. Right. And and the brand is then sort of the benef- beneficiary of that service is, uh, loyalty sort of interaction. Yeah, no one's going to have, no one has loyalty to a brand unless they have loyalty to the staff, loyalty to service. Uh, unless they, they sort of them. get told this is a great brand and they, they suck it up basically. They suck it up, but if you get told that this is a great brand then it's up to every single property underneath that flag to have that same, to meet that guest expectation. Um, and that's a much more difficult proposition. Well, at the same time, they get, can get too procedural and too driven on standards and all that, and it hollows out the, the service experience, right? There's no more, uh, how do you say It's not really an individualized service anymore. So the, mm-hmm. the protocol can get a quickly into the way I mean, there's some brands in the past used to be like that. They have saying, oh, there's a distance. You have to greet someone. It becomes very scripted. And yes. it takes away the the authentic, like, for lack of the better word, authenticity of the human interaction, right? It felt a bit like there's a bunch of uniforms and they jump around and do what they're, they've been sort of trained to do. Right? Yes. And, and that that's, you know, I think any any new hotel or any new hotel brand is going to suffer from that. Um But that's always going to be the starting point. So I've been, you know, I've checked into hotels that I've actually worked on, that I've been part of the team. And I've been asked, oh, is this your first time here? And, you know, my answer is no. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like, did you did you check my guest profile? Um, because, but you can't blame the person for that. They don't know who you are yet. They're just started in the job. They're following the script that we've given them to follow. Um But if they do it on your second, your second shift, then there's something wrong. Um, it's very hard. You can't teach authenticity. Hmm. And that goes back to just finding the right people for the right positions. Um, 
yeah. and having good, you know, good team leaders that lead by example. Now, as a designer, you're very far removed, supposedly, from that human touch. Where does that, how does that come together, design, before it becomes human, right? You, I mean, the real estate process is usually brick and mortar first. Right. And uh, the operator will take care of it, no? Isn't, isn't that the mentality? To, to, to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, when it comes to hotel planning and hotel design, basically our job is don't screw it up for the operator. Make it easy to operate so that they don't have in to. A, in a best-case scenario. In, in a best-case scenario. Um, you know, it makes the better job we do, it makes it much easier for them, and we don't get as many complaints. And so if you're building a hotel and you've taken what the operator's concerns are and you've designed a hotel that's really built for an operator it makes their job easier and the happier they are the happier the guests are going to be right you don't want say you know you don't want your housekeeping to be stressed out because this room is so difficult to clean and it's designed the way that you know they have to finish the room in half an hour but they know it's going to take them 45 minutes so what's going to happen they're going to start to cut corners and that just translates to a bad guest experience yeah now in your role do you look at the you look at everything from sort of soup to nuts, right? Real estate, yeah. from, architecture, interior design, back of house, the full... Yeah. From from concept development of, you know, what that hotel experience should be mm. um, to, you know, handing the keys to the to the GM and saying, it's your problem now. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and how do you define or how do you categorize those experiences? Do you have like a couple of drawers where you say like, oh, here we have a right, city hotel resort I get it, but uh, there's got to be a bit more, no? I mean, uh, you should have a few more registers to uh, to play with. Yeah, it's not it's not that straightforward. You know, you have your quote-unquote templates. So a city hotel should have X, Y, Z, and you tick the boxes, or a city resort or resort should have this. Um, it's more about understanding what, you know, where your location is, Um You know, one of one of the phrases that gets used a lot by designers is always this idea of sense of place, and it sometimes doesn't get interpreted correctly. It's not so much, you know, some designers interpret sense of place as it needs to look a certain way in terms of having design characteristics, colors, motifs, patterns that are reflective of the local culture. There, that's that's part of it. Um, to me, sense of place or a deeper sense of sense of place, a sense of community. So what does it actually feel like to live in that city um, to really get a local experience within the four walls of your hotel? Um, that's a much more difficult thing to do. Mm. Um, how do you reach out? And, and part of that is also how do you engage with the local community? Um, too often, you know, hotels are like fortresses. And as you come through the doors, it's the guest experience. But the guest experience, sometimes we worry too much about the guest that's not from that city, not from that neighborhood. Mm. How does that hotel become part of that neighborhood is a much more difficult thing to do. And that's one of the, one of the challenges that I think we're going to see moving forward. So you're saying the facade will become more permeable towards the local clientele? And, uh, it's, it's more than that. It's how do you, how do you make that hotel feel like it caters to the neighborhood rather than caters to somebody that's temporary. So is that a commercial decision or you think that's, I mean, how much is that driven by a commercial approach? We're saying uh, there's money to be had here. What are we doing? 
or is it um I mean, uh, Machiavellian uh, sort of, let's, let's <laughs> it's, give these people what they deserve. Uh, I don't know. Let them eat cake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't say that, but... It, no, it's, 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 it's not that at all. It's not that at all. I think it's... Um, you know, it, it's, it's... Part of it is, if somebody wants authentic experience, and you can't really... You can only recreate that to a certain degree. Um, but you want... In order to create an authentic experience, you need authentic people. And if you don't open your doors to your surroundings, you don't, you're not inviting authenticity in. Mm. Um, you know, I think hotels now should be more about, and the way I see it, there, there are sort of, if you take larger hotels, so you've got five-star, 400, 500-key hotel, you're, a, you're engaging the city as a whole. And so say if you were a hotel in New York, you should be representative of all of New York, right? And it, to a certain degree, it, some of it is quite superficial. If you're a boutique hotel, say you're in, you know, in Brooklyn, you should be representing your neighborhood. And so your concierge should be able to tell you not what the best restaurant or the best steak place is in all of New York, but where's your local steak restaurant? And so by doing that, you're also supporting local businesses and you get loyalty from the local businesses as well. Mm. So they take basically part of, they become part of your success. Yeah. And, um, I mean, a lot of the big, big box brand names, if you want to call them, don't necessarily have that in their, in their script. No, um, more often than not, you just, the brand identity is so overpowering. It's changing now as well, but if you yes. go back to 10 years, it was really, there's a logo, there's a brand, here's the founder's uh, portrait in the lobby, and uh, <laughs> take it or leave it. I mean, that was an approach that, that, that yes. lasted for generations. And, and that was about planting a flag. Hmm. Um, I think as a response to the pandemic, all of a sudden, oh my God, there's a local market. How do you reach that local market? And so moving forward, you know, it's become, it should be become obvious to everybody that we can't neglect that local market. But how do you build brand loyalty within your own city? You know, it goes beyond your restaurants. It's how do you, you know, turn, you know, your brand as part of the fabric of that city? How do you engage with your, you know, your local clientele? Mm. I think that's sort of the more interesting part of what's going to happen. Then we're back to staycations, isn't it? <laughs> it's delivery. <laughs> it's delivery service. <laughs> Which has its own challenges. Nothing wrong with delivery. It's put this way. We heard from Zhao. It's a whole different ballgame. Not, right. Nothing easy to pull off. But right. uh, okay. So it, you mentioned designing uh, a hotel, and, and you said you have the experience you want to create, right? So mm -hmm. how is how is that process? Then you said, okay, city hotel. We want to be part of the neighborhood. What do you look at, like street level accessibility? There's an outdoor dining, and it's sort of uh, is it that, or I mean, do you have different elements? Do you play mm. around with different areas? Do you focus, you know, is the pool for everyone? Or is it just for hotel guests? I mean, uh, where do you where do you draw a line? The gym could be a outdoor, uh, like a public gym, which mm -hmm. access massive ones. You build a few, right? Yeah. Um, where I mean, what's this process? Where do you where do you where do I you start? It's it's first understanding. Um, it's first understanding the neighborhood and understanding, you know, what character, the, what are the characteristics of the neighborhood? Why do people go to that neighborhood? Um, and 
engaging that local population, that neighborhood, um, within your hotel, reflecting what their values are, what they want to see hmm. in a hotel. Um, it's about getting local experience, local intelligence. Uh, I think the most successful projects I've done is when you go in and you have to, you know, you have to be aware that you actually know nothing, right? You go in with a lot of preconceptions as to what, you know, what this place should be like. Um, you have your brand standards that you have to adopt, but you have to go in with a very open mind and say, I know nothing, right? So I, I have to understand what this community is about. What so how much time wants. do you spend on that and the scouting? Um, sometimes it'll take months. And okay. I think what's important before we, so a lot of times, you know, when we hire a designer, traditionally the owner has a brief, the brand or the operator has a brief, you pass it to the designer, like, you know, go and design this. I think the most successful projects I've done is when we've hired a designer and say, let's go discover this together. Let's actually work together before I can tell you what to design. Mm. Let's work together on a brief. Let's work together on the vision. And I find that level of interaction creates a much more successful project because then you set up a brief for that hotel that you carry all the way through and you've done your research and you've done your homework that you have confidence at the end of the day, you know, what you're going to get is, is successful. So the vision comes from a designer and from a designer and operator. In, uh, in well, the designer at the operator level, but not necessarily the oper operator, operator, right? Uh, or they kind of input you as well, uh, you know, from the F&B team, they will say. You yeah, know, so the way that, that we work in, in, in my company is that, you know, we will bring in local expertise that we have in that region. We'll bring in people from our headquarters who have, you know, who focus on F&B, who focus on health club and spas, um, and then and operating GMs to give their input, mm. uh, give their experience. And then together we craft that concept brief. Okay. So how, you know, how do all the components of this hotel work? How does that hotel engage the local community? What F&B offerings are going to work, you know, within that, that neighborhood? Okay. So the focus there is mostly on the F&B part of it rather than the room product. But also with rooms. And so okay. with rooms, you'd say, so how can we make that guest experience better? Um, you know, what choices are we going to give to the guests? What do the guests really want? Um, and so we'll study, say, you know, how do people actually use hotel rooms? Um, you know, a few years ago, I was doing a study just, just internally. Um, I was asking people, so, you know, as, as people in the hotel industry, we travel very often. So we, you know, a lot of time we stay at our own hotels and we stay at, at other people's hotels. So give me a timeline from check-in to check-out. What do you actually do? And it's interesting because I found that everyone's actually very different. Right, and so you can't really follow the standard standard template, you know. Um, you know, I, uh, for example, you know, I, once I check in to a hotel, I close the door and I don't leave my room. I basically just want to 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 de-stress and, and 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 relax. Whereas other people will, you know, immediately jump in the shower and they're right out the door again because they don't want to stay in the hotel room. They want to go explore. You know, other people will you know, go straight to the gym just just. To, Work uh, up the sweat. Check to, out the pool or yeah. do a tour, right? right. Take some right. photos. Yeah. Um, and so understanding how people use rooms, understanding how people use your facilities and being able to cater to them, you know, essentially 24 hours a day um, is, is, is the challenge. Hmm. And, and so you've been doing this for a couple of years now, I guess. Has that evolved sort of your approach? I mean, have you 
uh, what have you learned or that to refine you so, know to optimize your process or to to level up um it's still a so when i when i i moved back to hong kong 03 and i started actually in, in doing real estate so it was in sort of commercial and residential development so nothing to do with hotels at all um And then eventually doing mixed-use projects, really starting to work with hotel operators. Like, you know, this is, this is pretty interesting. These guys are crazy, but this is interesting. Um, and that's how I sort of segued into, into hospitality. And so going into the very beginning, it was all about um, sort of creating this five-star luxury. It was more focused on design. How do you create this beautiful interior? Um, and it wasn't as, I think as I've, been doing this longer um, you started to understand how what are the operators concerns how do you design a hotel how do you plan a hotel better so that the operator succeeds um, it's not just about having fancy finishes and cushions and all stuff in fact most operators don't want that because they're difficult to clean um, and so it's striking that balance with creating something that's that's sort of aesthetically beautiful and pleasing and attractive to the guests but making it you know easy enough to operate hmm. and then now the, the new layer is How do you create that? How do you add that layer of experience? How do you make that more accessible to the hotel guests as well as keeping your operators happy? Okay, and uh, so you kind of tell the operator this is sort of what you what we're trying to do, and they buy into it in the process of defining the details. They have to be part of that process. If they don't right. buy into it, um, it's not going to work, right? And, and the the key is just being very open to say. If you don't think it's going to work, why is it going to work? Because obviously we've come in with preconceptions of how you do your job. Where can we make it better? Mm. Um, and on, only until they are happy do we actually move forward. Because then there's no point. Because the moment you you finish, they're going to start complaining. Right? This, this is not going to work. And then you, you sort of, you know, design is about problem solving. If you haven't solved the problem, then you're, you haven't, you basically failed. Right. You haven't done your job. Right. right. This is the end of the first part of our fourth episode with Julian Liu. You can find us easily for the second part on our website made-in.asia or watch the whole thing on YouTube, Made in Asia, the podcast.